Hello and welcome to Bold as Love. I am your host, April Boyd, and I have a special treat for you today. We have our first guest on the podcast, and I am so excited to introduce you to Courtney Boyer. I encountered her work and her style um, actually in a Facebook group that we were both a part of. And she was posting some things that really were just catching my attention because she was talking about things like how do we keep desire going in, in monogamous relationships and when there's distance. And it just really was um, resonating for me based on some of the clients' uh, conversations with my clients that I had been having recently. And so I know a lot of people are going to be interested in this topic. And so I invited her to come on and to share some of her, her thoughts and ideas and experiences. So Courtney is previously trained as a mental health and sex therapist and transitioned over into becoming a clarity coach and energetic sexpert. And so I'm super interested to hear uh, even just how she identifies that and what that work means to her. So welcome, Courtney. Thank you, so, April. I'm so excited to be here. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for being here. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. What, what is an energetic sexpert exactly? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, what I do overall is I help motivated professionals by providing them a safe space to come and explore things that aren't working in their life, uh, ways they feel stuck or unfulfilled. And then I help them uh, uncover what's not working and empower them with tools that do work. Amazing. Amazing. And, and then you asked what an energetic expert was. So um, I was trained in the very traditional uh, cognitive behavioral therapy style. Um, you know, you just think and feel and action your way to the your desired responses and desired results. And what I have found both in my own life first, and then I kind of trans transitioned over professionally is that we're really doing, or I was really doing my clients a disservice by not incorporating the energetic body. So much of what I see um, people getting stuck around is that extra layer, that connection, that consciousness. And so what I did is um, I first kind of dabbled in acupuncture and then went over to energy work with Reiki and just, just found this really, um, fulfilling relationship between that mind body connection. And so essentially, uh, part of the work that I do is really incorporating that energetic component into the, the transformation process. Very cool. And I still relate to what you're describing because, uh, so I'm trained as a couples counselor and as an mm. individual therapist. And I recently uh, just got trained as a breathwork facilitator for, for really <gasps> so some of those reasons that you yeah mentioned, because there's just something different that happens when we tap into the body. Mm. Yeah. So I, I would love to hear your thoughts. You, you had kind of done this really interesting post looking, talking about desire and, and monogamy and relationships. And one of the questions that came up for me as I was looking at that is, what do you feel like gets in the way of desire? Because that's something that I hear from um, a lot of women that I speak to from time to time, mm -hmm. is that they're just not even feeling that full interest. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that come into um, desire 
being not as high or (laughs) up there as we would like it to be, hands down, the number one thing I see is responsibility, especially for women. So we have this overwhelming sense of responsibility, uh, especially for women nowadays. We're expected to be fit and put together and cooking gluten-free organic snackies. And our kids learn like four different languages and we're working full-time and just a layer, a layer, a layer of responsibility. And the more responsibility we have, the almost like we're imploding kind of of our, like in and on ourselves. And that prevents us from really tapping into and remembering that we're a woman and that we have desire and that we have a partner that we once craved and, you know, went after and enjoyed pleasure and experiences with. So yes, definitely responsibility. And that makes so much sense to me because as you describe that, it just makes me think of, you know, we're full. We're just full with so mm-hmm. much that we're already carrying that at yes. times being sexual or intimate with our partner just becomes one more thing to do or have to take care Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Very cool. So how, how do we get out of that? How do we start to, you know, because some of the things that I hear sometimes from some of the clients that I work with is, you know, I'd like to be able to be more present when I'm with my partner. I'd like to feel a little more free or have a little more fun in the bedroom. But how how can women start to tap into that desire a little bit more and shift some of those dynamics? Yeah, that's a great question. So one thing that I have noticed is that when we lack the ability, <clears throat> excuse me, to be present outside of the bedroom, And when we lack the ability to be playful outside of the bedroom, it's really hard to implement that suddenly back in the bedroom. And so when we are, like you described it, we are so full, right? We're serious, we're focused, tunnel vision. That doesn't leave a lot of room for fun. That doesn't leave a lot of room for exploring and for sensuality and for creativity and all of those things that are directly Um, correlated to our sacral chakra, which is our home uh, for where our sexual energy comes from. That is traditionally right below the belly button in the womb space Mm -hmm. is what it's often referred to. And um, so going back to your question, how can we become, bring that into the bedroom? Let's start with it being outside of the bedroom, just even finding ways to be silly at the dinner table. Maybe it's like you know, crossing your eyes, or maybe it's when you're making, you know, lunches, you throw like a little carrot at one of your kiddos or, um, you know, just finding ways to find the beauty that's around us and just taking a deep breath in and out and just noticing what do I feel right now? What do I smell right now? What am I tasting right now? And the more present we become in the mundane, the more powerfully present we're able to be when we're in these intimate encounters. I really love that because it's kind of this idea that you can't go a hundred miles an hour all day long and then expect to be able to come home and instantly, you know, change gears to connect with your partner in such an intimate way. Mm-hmm. So it Absolutely. almost becomes that idea of, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. that expression. Oh, so many but- times. Yeah, but it it makes so much sense to me, right? That, you know, if we're kind of in overdrive when we're at work or when we're at the PTA meetings or when we're doing various different things in our life, then we kind of stay in that zone of overdrive, which is not necessarily really conducive to sexy, fun, play, intimacy. 
<laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it reminds me of this um, uh, work by Esther Perel. I don't know if you're familiar with her or not. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, but great. she has this um, question that I really loved, or these two questions um, that I think of as I listen to you talk. And one of them is, I turn myself on when. And then the other question is, I turn myself off when. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, ooh, that is powerful stuff. Because I think so often we kind of, especially as women turn to our partner as like, you know, we have to source our sexual identity from oh, them. Preach it. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm curious your thoughts on that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I, You know, we've been raised in conditions that like other people are responsible for how we feel. And so we give up our power to, you know, people that we love and expect them to make us feel a certain way. And really that's, that's not how it works. And especially as women, it's like, we show up and just expect our partner to turn us on. I mean, I'm here doing you a favor anyways. Like, so, you know, just like (laughs) expect expecting, you know, the, some type of reciprocity versus showing up in our own power and asking for what we want and creating what we want. But as women, we've been so um, disempowered from doing that and, and having access to that, that it's, it's really no wonder that we just kind of show up in the bedroom and really just, you know, are kind of treated like a plaything most of the time. And like, well, I mean, it's just what I got to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. And and really, there's such a disowning of our own experience and our own yeah. bodies and our own oh. needs that happens mm-hmm. with that. And such a huge responsibility to put on our partner to be like, oh, you're responsible yeah. for all of that. Anticipating my needs, yes. figuring out how to do that in the exact way I want it, and having that be a solo mission, essentially. Oh yeah. There's such a burdening of expectations within our primary romantic relationships. Like just like you need to be all these things to me all the time. And when you're not, I make it mean something about myself that I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving of pleasure. You know, we go down this rabbit hole and then that keeps us stuck. And then it's just this cycle of, well, you know, and I just, this is just how it is. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And as we were talking, you had also kind of um, brought up this idea of how our past impacts mm-hmm. our, our present when it comes to our, our sex life and our intimacy. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. So um, I, in the many years I've been doing this work and the research and stuff that I've done, I coined this term, um, the sexual gatekeeper syndrome. And what I have found is that women have been raised to be the sexual gatekeepers of society. So we are the ones that hold the line. We're the ones like the chastity belt, the promise rings, all of those, the expectations of women to no, 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 no. Right. It's the men who have given, um, have been given permission to be sexual and to be, you know, uh, in embody this their sexual experiences. And for women, a lot of the women that I've worked with are so filled with shame from their, their sexual past. They're, they're filled with just this guilt for, for being sexually active for, even if they were in, you know, committed relationships, uh, just this belief that there's something wrong with me because I enjoy sex or I, I had sex outside of marriage. I work with a lot of people who grew up in the evangelical Christian church and 
just this, this guilt. And so when you have that and you haven't dealt with that baggage, you bring that into your partnership, into your marriage, and it doesn't magically go away. It festers. And it just reminds you that you, you didn't make good choices before. You really don't deserve to be enjoying this now. And so we create these experiences that just remind us that our sexuality is really almost like this elusive thing that we're not meant to enjoy. And we're just kind of, you know, here for our partners. Yeah. And it's almost like this idea of you're not really even supposed to be in this space, right? Which Mm. is such a catch 22. Because on one hand, I think as women, we get so much pressure and so much social messaging that say we're supposed to be sexy Mm -hmm. and at the same time, not sexual. And you're like, how do you do that dance? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and I also, um, you know, just want to go back to that point that you mentioned around uh, a lot of people are carrying, a lot of women specifically are carrying this idea that they're not really supposed to even enjoy it. They're mm-hmm. not even really supposed to want it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something I, I see definitely a lot of women carrying, right? And again, it becomes this really tricky catch 22 if I'm supposed to do it. And maybe part of me even does enjoy it, but I'm not supposed to. Yeah. And one thing that I have seen too, is when um, the female partner in a heterosexual relationship, when she has the higher sex drive and she's the one that is um, initiating sex and her partner is not as interested we don't ever talk about that. We don't talk about the women who are turned down and rejected and they make this mean like, but because we've been given the message that men want sex all the time. And they're like, basically, you know, walking hard ons that want to just get it on. And that's not the case, right? There's just so much misinformation about how men's brains works and women's brains works when it, and our sexual responses and our bodies. And so just remembering that, you know, it's such a personal experience and we are all so different and we go through different stages of life. I know for me with my, when my husband, um, he works in the hospital when he's on a certain rotation, he is so drained and so tired and his sex drive just tanks and that's okay. Right. That doesn't mean that I did something wrong. That doesn't mean that he doesn't enjoy being intimate with me. It just means that he's human and that he, his energies are focused elsewhere And that's a conversation that we have had. We don't need to have it typically as much anymore because I don't feel insecure about Mm -hmm. his quote rejection. Uh, Yeah, I so love that you're sharing that because yeah, again, it's like, you know, as women, we have this pressure to be, you know, sexual, but also saintly somehow. Mm -hmm. And men have this pressure to be almost hypersexual. Absolutely. And, you know, as I was, um, thinking about uh, this upcoming conversation with you, I was remembering back to uh, a couple of clients that I was working with at one point in time. And that was, that was one of their main struggles that they were mm. having was her sex drive and desire was higher than his. And that was really painful for her, not just because there would be those moments of disconnection or his lack of availability, but because there was so much cultural narrative that fed into this idea that, you know, 
you're supposed to be wanted all the time. Absolutely. You're supposed to be chasing all the time. Mm -hmm. And so what a blow to your self-esteem, you know, and I remember kind of sharing this story one time of kind of getting all dressed up in lingerie Mm. and kind of doing that brave walk out of the bedroom and, you know, thinking it's going to be this hot, exciting moment for him. And it was just very sad for her because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was not able to reach back at that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think timing is a big issue, right? <laughs> if your partner yes. maybe just worked 12 hours that right. day, maybe <laughs> that's not the time to put yourself out there in that way. But yeah, I, I think that's um, such a neglected conversation around mm-hmm. really that disconnection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, how you see women kind of moving through this and readjusting this and rebalancing this for their own selves? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I really, especially encourage my female clients is to find that sense of identity within themselves. So often when we tie our identity into being a mom or being a wife or being this primary, you know, like partner. And we lose that sense of individuality and it's hard to find our own sexual identity and tune in to our sexual, our sexuality. If we don't have that own sense of our, of our oneness, if that makes sense. Um, So I think really encouraging women to find the things that get them excited, find the things where they feel fulfilled and and joyful because that spark reverberates to all areas. And so, and it doesn't have to be anything like, well, I have to take on a new career or I have to, maybe it's just finding a hobby or volunteering or doing something that just lights you up and makes you remember who you are and and the gifts that you have um, and the opportunity to to offer other people. I love that because I think sometimes, you know, when we're having these conversations with couples, there's almost this idea that, you know, somehow you just have to find a switch, like it's a light Mm. switch, right? To be like, okay, I have to get myself in the zone or I just have to find the thing that, you know, brings me into that space. And really what you're saying is like, no, it is your life. Yes. It is a wider landscape of a vibrant, pleasurable, enjoyable life. Yeah. And I love how you just summarize that. That's so, so beautiful because it is, it's, if I can't find pleasure in my day to day and and I'm not like, okay, pleasure, picking up the Cheerios or pleasure doing the laundry. Like this is lame corny. I can't find pleasure at that. Right. But then what does that say about the life that we're creating? If we can't even like carve two minutes or five minutes of pleasure each day to, to enjoy the sunrise or the sunset or find pleasure in that cup of coffee or tea, you know, like really tuning into and activating our senses. And again, it doesn't have to be anything major. It doesn't have to cost you anything. It's really just about what we talked about in the beginning is tuning into your body, being present in that moment and finding that pleasure and the beauty that is, that is all around us. Well, and, and I think that's so powerful because on one hand, you know, it's these small micro moments they were talking about, but at the same time, it's a radical life shift mm-hmm. because, you know, one of the things that I, I think it was that you were describing that is it's such a shift out of this place of, 
over-functioning, overdrive, which really is this place of pressure and panic. And mm-hmm. really into this idea that it's okay. <laughs> I can slow down. Mm-hmm. I'm not in a race here. Very right. Cool. But if you if you assign your worth to your product productivity, then it really prevents you from slowing down. So what I see, because I deal with, uh, or not deal, sorry, I work with a lot of highly successful, successful, you can't see me, I'm using quotes, but successful defined by society, right? They make a lot of money. They've got like, the house and the cars and the vacations and the kids and all of those, those status things, but they really are so disconnected and depressed and discontent from who they are. And almost like, okay, well, I did, I did the things and this is it. Like I'm not fulfilled because they never learned how to stop and be present. And like you said, like expand and slow down because they were taught whether through, you know, obvious or uh, overt messages, or even just that subtle messages, you know, throughout the system in school and whatnot, that your worth and your value is in what you're able to produce and how much you're able to achieve. And, and do you think that even ties into the idea of body image and how oh, that relates to our yes. kind of sense of sexual freedom or enjoyment in relationship? Oh, absolutely. If like, if you are not within the societal expectations of body images, you, you don't deserve pleasure. You, girl, you got to get your ace on the treadmill. Like you, you need to earn that, you know, the sensualness and the pleasure and all of the things like, you know, get after that. And, and almost like oh, only pretty people can have great sex or have, you know, fun times in the bedroom or whatever. And I think that's just, Oh, terrible, terrible message. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a bit of a myth because, you know, I think there's also that thing that becomes, it's never pretty enough anyways. Mm. It's never fit enough anyways. Yep. And, you know, as I say that, I think of um, some of the women I've worked with that are truly fall out of a magazine, Mm. 10 Mm -hmm. out of 10 gorgeous. And they, you know, still talk about when yep. it comes into that time to go and be intimate with their partner, as much as part of them wants to be there and, and be engaging with them in that way, the other part of them is up in their head being like, ah, do I look fat right now? Do I look yep. ugly right now? And that spotlight is just still focused so much on our own insecurities and our own perceived flaws. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, and there's just so many nuances of that too. Like, oh gosh, yes, it's such a great point. Very cool. And so uh, I'm just wondering, what would be one, one kind of take home idea, one thing that you would love to just, you know, encourage the people that are listening to just hang on to or to think about as they move through the rest of their day or their week, as they're thinking through this topic, what would you love for them to take with them from this? Yeah, I think uh, this is something I say in all podcasts or interviews, regardless of what the topic is, but just for them to know that they matter, that their feelings matter, that how, where they are is never too far gone, that whatever they are feeling, you know, like emotions are evidence that helps us really dive into and understand what's going on. And so I think if one of their goals is to like, get back in into the bedroom or at least be curious 
about how they can present or be present differently in the bedroom to know that that is possible. And it doesn't have to require this major transformation. It's really just about believing that they are worthy of giving and receiving pleasure. Yes. And back to that moment by moment choice that you were talking Mm -hmm. about before. So cool. And so I'm just wondering if you can share with us a little bit about how, how would people stay connected with you? How would they find you? Yeah. So you can follow me on um, Instagram or LinkedIn um, or I think Facebook too, um, at Courtney Boyer coaching. And um, yeah, I'm pretty much all over the social media and love connecting with people and um, posting and chatting. Very cool. Yeah. And you post some great stuff, as I mentioned earlier. So definitely go and connect with Courtney on Instagram. That's kind of one of my favorite places to hang out. So I will be there and I will, of course, put all the links um, to where people can find you and and experience a little bit more of your work there in the show notes. So thank you so, so much, Courtney, for being here and for having this conversation. It's been really fun chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you, April, so much. It's been such a pleasure. And um, I'm just so grateful to be here. And thank you everyone for listening. So if you found this helpful, really shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you what stood out to you and feel free to please share this episode. If you know somebody that might benefit from listening into this conversation as well, um, or even just to share it on your social media, we would love that as well. So thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Take care.